Welcome back to our show. Welcome back, everybody. This is Twanda. Hey, and this is Rumel. Hi, Rumel. Hey, girl. Hey. I tell you, I think we started the same way, exactly the same way every time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like it, too. But it feels good. It just works for me. Well, girl, can I ask you something? Absolutely. What's that? Are we talking about entanglements today? No. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> we're avoiding that with the like the plague. No, I'm not doing that. I just knew somebody might wonder if we were going to talk about it. And Ramel said, no. So no. what are we talking about today? Well, we are going to be talking about code switching. I was waiting to see if you were going to say it right. That's yeah, because right. you know I've been saying it wrong all day. That's right. Code switching. <laughs> switching so um first we want to just get out there like what is the definition of code switching you have a book definition for me i have a book definition this is from our good old trusted wikipedia (laughs) (laughs) it says in linguistics code switching or language alteration occurs when a speaker alternates between two or more languages or language varieties in the context of a single conversation. Mm-hmm. Multilinguist linguals, oh, you know, people who speak more than one language. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, my tongue's not working anyway. People who speak more than one language sometimes use elements of multiple languages to um, when conversing with each other. So if yes. I spoke Spanish, which I don't, yep. but if I did, I would speak Spanish in a certain environment and English in another environment. Mm-hmm. And that would be code switching um, according to your definition. Yes. It's a very like just functional kind of thing that if you are someone who's probably is more of a natural speaker in a different language. But you don't speak another language and don't, don't give me French. You don't speak it. Don't even say it. <laughs> you don't want me to tell you I speak French. <laughs> don't even try it. And that I speaking uh, Fr- and French, you can't English, even speak and Spanish. English really right, well I know, right now. <laughs> I can't speak anything but English. So, okay. So, yeah. but how, how is it we're having a conversation about code switching when neither of us speak? A different language yeah so that was what we kind of wanted to talk about is right black people in america when we think of code switching i don't even think white people think about code switching mm-hmm. we as black people have what we call code switching which is more so um changing the way we interact with white people for the most part the majority um, so that we appear, I don't know if the right word is acceptable or more proper or I, think I don't know it what is that it takes us immediately towards the term assimilation. Yeah. So that so the uh, definition for that is the process of becoming similar to something. I used a very right. simple definition because I feel like we um, switch when we're speaking to our white counterparts. Uh, and we have to talk about why and when we switch to, but mm-hmm. we do that to become more similar with the environment that we're in. That's right. And so more than anything, I would say, you can't really say 
code switch without assimilation because whichever environment I'm in, I can speak, I like to, you know, speak towards the environment. Right. And so that kind of leads me to, well, can I get a, a, maybe a possible example of, of code switching? So I have one. I have one. I want to okay. see. I want to okay. play a game. We did not practice this, y'all. <laughs> not at all. So if we're thinking like informal versus formal language, let's think about mm -hmm. it at work. So if I say, if I would say informally, I said what I said, right? How might you say that in a professional, formal environment? Um... What I mean by that is, ah, ah, that's good. Good. What, what about, <laughs> how about this? What if I said, uh, you ain't never lying. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> that makes me want to laugh. <laughs> the truth about the situation is, <laughs> this is fun. I'm loving it. Keep going. <laughs> goodness um i see do i have another one well no i'm gonna stop right there this will be fun like, we could keep going but i we i don't want to throw us off too much but i i said that and i know these were really informal versus formal conversations that we would change into um, at any time but i feel like a lot of times i'm playing with the voice in my head that speaks first versus mm -hmm the one that comes out of my mouth when it was time I say, what is your environment? And let that tongue speak. Right. 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 <laughs> and right, so um, I have to, to, to pull it out. I, I would also want to say one good example, just because right now we've been in a habit of bringing in a little bit of um, Issa Rae's insecure. So I just wanted to say, I remember there was an episode, um, I think in the second season where there was a young lady who started working for the white firm that law firm that Molly worked for. Right. And she was like an office assistant and she didn't code switch, which meant um, instead of acting in her formal professional mode while she was at work, she was more informal at work. And right. so it, it would be an example of somebody who's not properly code switching. So right. even if you aren't African-American, you can at least understand there's a way you act at work and a way you act when you're not at work. Uh, right. And as when you're thinking about um, uh, that whole thing with, with code switching. So that kind of leads us to when is it that you do it? Well, I predominantly do it when I'm meeting with clients. So it doesn't matter um, what color they are. It's like a formal is that what you're doing? Yeah, well, I do that. Um, yes, because there it's a it's in a business business setting um, mm -hmm. setting. Um, but I, I think I also do it when I deal with um, the greater public. You know, um, like when I'm if I'm at mm -hmm. the store, mm -hmm. you know, I don't necessarily say the exact thing that want to come that comes to my head. You know, I go through that filter. I put so it through that what, well, let's talk about the filter a little bit, because that's kind of mm -hmm. going backwards and, and what is code switching. What's happening in the filter stance? Like we said, we have something that comes up in our head. Yeah. And then we, I will tell you, I feel like it's a, a, it's definitely a filter. It's a cleansing out. 
anything that might have a cultural tinge on it. Yeah, I don't know if, if cultural is the, is the right word, but I know that uh, there's a way I can say things that I know people who have experiences like me, who look like me, will understand a lot right. more than someone who doesn't look like well, me. And I think, though, a lot of times when we do it, we're also afraid of um, being judged right? There's this judgment that goes along with it. You, the last thing a black person, um, uh, especially in a professional environment wants to do is to represent a stereotype. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, um, I make sure that I don't belong to the stereotype, you know, and I, and it's, it's that constant um, feeling of not wanting to be put in that place of, you know, neg- that negative space. So this seems like a strategy. You're being strategic here. You're doing it so to combat the stereotypes that you know are out there. Mm-hmm. And so what you say, how you, how you say it, um, you're making sure that you don't perpetuate that stereotype. Somebody can't say, you know, I, I don't know. It sounds like you want to be the exception. No, I want to be, all I want to do is be accepted. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and so coming up, growing up in the seventies, I'm dating myself coming up in the seventies. Um, you know, we're just really coming out of Jim Crow, you yeah, know what I mean? That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I was telling you that where my parents used to live only seven years before we moved in there, um, black people weren't even allowed to buy property in that area. So we're not talking very removed from some of these um, things uh, that has haunted our country, this racism that has haunted our country. Um, And so when I grew up, my parents, you know, you didn't go out of the house looking any kind of way. You had to look um, presentable. Mm-hmm. You had to act in a certain way. When you met people, you had to look them in their eye. You had to shake their hand. And these are all good things. Don't get me wrong. Right. But it was, it was also a part of making sure that you are not part of what they expect for you to be. This is what these people expect for you to be. Mm-hmm. And you are not going to be that. Right. And, and that's an, okay. So again, I said this before it's strategic. We, um, I learned it from my mom. Um, I, I saw, uh, you know, she taught my sister and I how to speak in public how to make sure we're using the English language properly. You've heard the term, the King's English. English. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It was important that I show um, that I can use it. I know how to speak uh, properly. Mm -hmm. And the idea was there are going to be a lot of people who don't think much of you or who have uh, racial biases, whether they're conscious or unconscious. And like you said, we're not that far away from Jim Crow where we legally could not do as white people. Um, a lot of things are, and weren't seen um, as equals. So right. you know that that racial bias still exists. So our changing the way we might 
we speak and behave in certain areas for me was more about, well, I know there are people and I don't know who they are in my environment, but I know there are people with racial biases and I don't want them to lump me in with whatever they have in mind. And so I'm going to, um, as a strategy, I'm going to be different from what, you know, the, the, the worst idea of me could be. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I remember um, in doing that, because that had to happen at school, it yeah. would determine where we sat in school, you yep. know, um, front row. it was like, you need to be in the front row, because the <laughs> idea is that you're lazy, you don't really want to learn, so you mm-hmm. don't want to represent that way. And I don't know yeah. about you, but I imagine it's the same for you. I know most people I uh, most black people I know have this feeling of wanting to represent well for the whole race. Like we feel like yeah. there's this burden of if I do something wrong, it's going to make the whole race look wrong. And yeah. when I see things happen, I'm like, oh, please don't let them be black. If they did something <laughs> wrong, you know, oh, there's right. a crime. Please don't let them be black. Because I feel like it affects how people think of the whole black race. And it feels right. like we're having to um, make sure when we are um, in out in company, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we're out um, mm-hmm. uh, that that we represent well, so we don't bring the whole race down. And I mean, and black people do. We have the we have that saying, you know, you don't say things in mixed company, mm-hmm. and that generally means that you know you have to be careful because there's someone who is ch- typically a white person who may not understand what we're talking about. So what do you mean? Cause I don't want, I want to make sure people don't misunderstand you. You don't say things do in mixed company. Uh, can you give any examples of what, um, what that means? You're not. Yeah. I mean, like um, a lot of times you don't bring up dirty laundry, so to speak, you know, we don't talk about necessarily, um, you know, I can't. I was trying think to think of, of an example because, um, well, here I'll I'll say it this way. Um, you said they don't want bring up things in in mixed company. Feels more like when I don't want to say things. Goodness, it is hard it's to hard explain. explain. But what I didn't want people to think is that there's a lot of. Um, racial slurs going on and say don't oh, say no. that in and no. mixed company it's not that it's more that there's some things that I would say in front of people who maybe go to church at the same place I go to church or watch the same movies or listen to the same music that I listen to I can say something and they might understand it whereas mm-hmm. if I say it in mixed company they might not understand what I'm referring to you know, old judgment thing all over again. Right. It's like you're constantly being afraid that um, people are going to hear that mm-hmm. and um, either use it against you or black people in general mm-hmm. when they form their opinions. Of I, got I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Do you remember um, um, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama did a fist bump on the air? Mm-hmm. So they bumped their fists together. Yeah. And all of us felt like, yeah, that is a common way to, to greet. It's kind of like a high five, you know, yeah. greet each other. But the narrative that took, got a lot of attention was this a terrorist 
fist bump. Do you remember that terminology in the news? It was misunderstood. People didn't know what it might be a common gesture in the black community, but when you put it on a big stage like that and people don't know what do two fist bumping mean, it just went crazy. It went crazy. And people started judgment. Yes. And it was yeah. very negative judgment very, of it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, so we try not to do, we don't want to do a lot of things that are confusing. And one of the better ways or strategies for all of this has been to, well, be more similar, have conversations that they mm -hmm. can, that the mainstream can relate to. Um, yeah. Kind of wash out anything that is um, uh, your culturally, you know, uh, it might be black culture, culturally, let's not have those conversations um, in public. And I that way think you assimilate a, better. So that's what I, I yeah. yeah. And, and I, and I agree. And I think, but I think there's a huge danger to um, assimilating all the time um, because then what we bring to the table is completely different, right? We are a, we are, first of all, black people are not monolithic, okay? We have very different feelings about different things. And um, when we are at work and we're coming up with different ideas, if we're only coming up with the ideas that we deem acceptable to by the majority, then everybody misses out on those ideas. And by making everything vanilla, you know, why shouldn't we have some sprinkles and, you know, why shouldn't we have different flavors um, of thought out there? And I think when we assimilate all the time, we really actually give away our power of showing who we are as being different. And, um, and so I know we did it basically as survival at first, right? You know, um, going through, um, going through Jim Crow and all these things and, and making it through there. And, and we're in a different time and place right now. But I think that now is a great time while we're having discussions of race mm -hmm. for us to be able to say, you know what, these are our voices and they are different and that doesn't, and we should not discount that. And so. So I can see that happening um, a little bit more. There's a couple of things going on though. Um, I do feel like America, especially now, there is a post-George Floyd era in America mm -hmm. where um, I feel like more and more people are saying in the mainstream are saying, I hear you or I want to hear you. I might yes. not have known I wasn't listening to you before. Or I was missing out on what's not mainstream, but mm -hmm. now I'm curious. I'm interested. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm open to hearing that. So that is the post George Floyd um, era that we're in now. So I think there is some potential uh, there. I think so too. I mean, I also, I'm the older I get, and I have uh, other friends say that as we get older, we start to lose some of our inhibitions and just like, well, look, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. I don't even care anymore. <clears throat> so there's oh, also the getting older, but I do feel like we're going in the right direction. But I would warn anybody, we aren't there yet. 
we aren't there yet. So we, it's still a place, in my opinion, there's still a place to, you know, there's a time and place for everything. So absolutely, yeah. speak, I still think it's necessary to be careful about um, how you present. I think, I think it, there is, we all have to be professional when we're at work, right? And there's a difference mm-hmm. between being professional and um, code switching. That's um, true. That's true. Yeah. You know, when, if you're code switching, it's, it's more like you don't feel comfortable talking about certain conversations at work. I always avoided hair conversations at work because I didn't want to have to get into the, the complexities right. of being a black woman with natural hair. Right. Because we so, know it's significantly different than the mainstreams. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. And, you know, and you do, you do tend to speak more proper um, when you're in a business setting. And I get that. But being professional, I think that one of the beauties of our kids who are coming up behind us mm-hmm. is that they have less boundaries in terms of code switching. You know what I mean? No, I, what do you I, mean? They have less boundaries. I, I think like they have grown up with a lot more different cultures. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of our kids have like like white friends or Hispanic friends. And, um, and I think that they are more likely to express their opinions. I, I don't see my kids really having problems expressing how they feel about what you know different things and they don't they we've talked to our kids and our kids don't seem to really express the need to code switch that much I I guess it depends because we talked to your youngest today Mm -hmm. but then I talked to my two older children Mm -hmm. and um, they were feeling now they both go to predominantly white institutions so mm-hmm. my question to them was, was is your uh, conversation different depending on who you know who's your audience who you're talking mm-hmm. to and both situations the answer was yes because and this is what they said you'd never know if someone has or what their racial biases are. And so, yeah. again, he let, uh, like David Jr. was saying, you know, he wants to make sure he doesn't play into any racial biases. Well, at the same time, my daughter worked in a professional environment as mm-hmm. a resident assistant. So she could still be a student and act herself while doing her job. And she didn't feel like there was a need to, um, like she didn't have that pressure of code switching at mm-hmm. that job when she was doing that at the same time when she handles business mm-hmm. you know she's got an apartment she's got to uh, call and, and and check on the water and the utility you know and she says she goes into a professional mode whenever she's hand- handling mm-hmm. business and she keeps it really professional because she wants to make sure she makes sure she stays in professional mode so that uh, she could be more, she feels like that's more productive. And when I say professional mode, I want to use this as an entree into your white woman voice. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I've got one. <laughs> yes. I, um, I asked my sister-in-law this weekend, I was like, hey, so you know what I mean when I say white woman voice? And do you do that? 
And she said with a quickness, no, at the same time, her husband said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so I thought that was uh, really interesting. And for you all listening, the, the, the white woman voice is when sort of a black person, a woman just cleans her voice of anything that, well, so it, it makes it so you can't say, yeah, characteristics, mm-hmm. um, because there is a way to easily tell whether the person, what their, their race might be from how they sound. And there are some people who are good at cleansing that. So you can't really tell yeah. one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And um, I know Ramel has that voice because one day we were sitting with all of our book club people and she got a professional call. Now, there's a professional voice and then there's your white woman voice. And when she answered the phone and started speaking, the rest of us sat there with our mouth open because I was like, who is that? What is this voice? Who is this person? She was just laughing and joking with us, talking regular, and then boom. And that's important. We, there's a reason why you would want to turn on your white woman voice so that people, the person on the other end is more than likely, they can't sense um, who you are, so they can't, they, their biases can't seep through. And it's just a way of protecting that. With, with, right. Would you agree? Well, yeah, I do. I, I have a very curated white woman voice it's taken years to get it to this point how (laughs) however i i actually i kind of gristle with the idea that i have to have this white woman voice in order to sound professional you know what i mean like i don't i don't know that that's even i don't okay so i don't believe that is needed to to sound professional but i do think that there is value and knowing that the person on the other side can't tell easily that you're black so if there are any racial biases like they might do they might be more willing to work with you on something uh one way Mm -hmm. or the other when you don't when you can cleanse that out of your voice then i think we tend to it makes us feel like we're getting a, a, a more fair shake you know there are some uh uh, black people who are so light skinned, we say that they are passing. Do you know you're familiar with that term? They're passing, no, I, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. passing for white, and so they don't have to feel the discrimination. They don't experience it in the same way or as often because people can't really tell who they are, and that makes a difference. I think when you have the ability to do that with your voice, it's kind of a advantage. It's a decent strategy. Yeah, I still well, you, bristle you, with you it. You say it, I mean, you bristle I mean, with it, but you use it. I heard it. I'm just saying. I know. I, I, I use it. it very well. I just, <laughs> I, I'm good I'm at it. I'm just saying it because, because, I mean, while we're sitting here and we're talking about, you know, code switching and being professional and that there is a difference, but what, what essentially by doing that, am I saying that there is a difference? I'm kind of, I feel like, I mean, I'm code switching in order to, am I code switching in order to sound professional or am I code switching in order to get a fair shake? And I don't know that that is, I'm not sure where that, where that line is drawn. Right. Even for myself. I mean, like, and I do it. Right. I think I always thought the white woman voice was a, a special category of code switch. 
which mm-hmm. is the intention to get a fair shake. That's that okay. has always okay. been my my reason or my thought mm-hmm. for that. Now we could be wrong, and I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on that as well. I think my strategy has been to assimilate. So I'm not bringing up topics that take us where I might have to do a lot of talking about hair, you know, and that Mm -hmm. to bring up differences. I would Mm -hmm. much rather study music or whatever feels mainstream and just be a part of the mainstream conversation. I'll give you an example. There was a a phone conversation uh, talking about the Wizard of Oz Mm -hmm. and people were um, on the line. It was a, it was a work call. It was kind of a light banter before we get into the business of things. And people were talking about different parts of the Wizard of Oz. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Lord, please don't have them ask me about uh, anything or please don't make it so that I need to, um, Uh, add an analogy based on the Wizard of Oz because whereas I've probably seen the Wizard of Oz all the way one time I have seen the Wiz so many times I could recite the whole thing by heart but I know that there's probably nobody on that line who knows it like that (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. I instead of bringing it up it's like okay that one I'm going to be quiet about but I, I, I try not to bring in conversations that that point out that I'm different I guess I'm whitewashing some of my culture to fit in, just not to bring up the differences so much. Yeah. I kind of, I, I'm at the point where I don't want to do that. No. But I don't want that for our kids either. I think this sucks. I mean, like we are culturally rich and we shouldn't have to do that. I mean, we, at that we still might need to now. Again, I love the idea that we seem to be going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And as people learn more about Black culture, I, I see a lot of people reading more in an effort to be anti-racist. And that mm-hmm. doing that is working, I think, in our favor to lessen the amount of code switching required. I don't feel like we're there to, to not code switch yet. Well, I think, I think there's room. I think there's room for us to start having more conversations that are not code switching. I mean, if we don't do it, then who's going to do it? White people aren't going to start having the conversation about it. So if we don't do it, then who's going to do it? I'm not saying, you know, we come in, we come in next Monday and we're like, everything's different. <laughs> you're getting you're getting the full me the full remote but i think we need i mean if yeah. we expect for things to change we're gonna have to start making those steps we have to make the steps i want to feel more comfortable with the idea that diversity is welcome i think mm-hmm. the more i feel comfortable that wherever i work and whoever i'm hanging out with that there is a sense of welcoming of the fact, you know, mm-hmm. the diversity, because I, I oftentimes am the only one in the room, you know, mm-hmm. scenarios. I just, I think if I felt more comfortable that, yeah, this is a welcoming environment for diversity, you can really let down that burden of having to be something different for a while, yeah. while we're at work or, or so yeah, or so on. I just, I just don't, I, I don't think racial relations are comfortable. I grew up being the only one in the room and I grew up Mm -hmm. um, having to push towards changing things in my own environment 
And so I'll be the first one to say that I've gotten a little comfortable in, you know, allowing things to be the same for a while, but I'm not Mm -hmm. there anymore. And I don't want, I want my kids to start, you know, and being able to voice what their true opinions are. So that's where I am. And I, and I understand what you're saying. I'm trying to take away from what you're saying. I understand, but I'm just, I'm, I'm in a different spot right now. I'm I'm definitely feeling uh, more comfortable once I've established myself at my Mm -hmm. job, for example, once I've demonstrated that I add value and you know, I feel like I've done a, a good job of demonstrating my my worth. I guess I feel like I have to work to to earn that. Then I can get a little more a little more comfortable and bring more of my true self to the job. But I definitely felt the need to show myself approved, mm-hmm. and in doing that, it, it called for more um, uh, code switching. So I, I hear you. I'd like to do more of the um, not switching, (laughs) but we'll have to see maybe a year from now, we'll check in again and say, Hey, code switching much, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm headed out of the code switching business. I'm just, I'm like, seriously, if you can't take me the way I am right now, I'm 50, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) It's over. Well, Pay attention as you go for it, because this might be a conversation that we come yeah. back to at a certain time, you know, after about a year. So I'd, I'd like to, to see it. I'll make more of an effort to think twice about how I filter out my words and um, my behavior based on that. I'll just pay a little more attention to it as we go along. I ain't saying I'm changing anything. <laughs> I'm just saying I'll think about it. I hear I'll be more kind. I hear you. I hear you. Hey, that's <laughs> hey, that's a good thing. I won't complain. Hey, well, that was a good conversation. Thank you so much. We want to thank everybody for coming by and sitting down with us today. Want to remind you to please subscribe. Yes, subscribe. subscribe. So, yeah, we release once a week on Tuesday. So we would love to see you next Tuesday. Absolutely. And if you enjoy what you're listening to, it really helps us push the podcast to more people, the more reviews we get. Yeah. All right. So until next time, listeners, peace and blessings. blessings. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Girl Podcast. That's girl with three R's. And if you want to participate in our segment, Ask Your Girlfriends, email us at girlpodcast at gmail.com. That's girl with three R's. (laughs) So until next time, peace Peace and and blessings. blessings.